Hey guys, what's up? It is Marty here with Aaron. And this is episode nine of the Better Together podcast, which is a ministry of Sandridge Baptist Church. The podcast exists to tell stories, and we believe that stories are powerful, that uh, we actually worship a God who has told great stories, who wants to involve us in his story, who uses our stories for his glory and to advance the kingdom of God. And so as we grow as a church, one of the things that we're doing is doing this podcast so that we get to know each other. There may be people that you don't know or we don't know or, or whatever, and this is our way of hearing people's stories so that we can know them better and so we can grow and give God glory. Uh, and so, Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah. It's, it's been a great week. Um, we, as many of you know, well, by the time this comes on, we'll probably be in Disney World or just gotten home from Disney World, but Marty's about to take a two-week sabbatical, and, and we're going on vacation for a week after that's over, um, and I'm excited. Two weeks. Well, a week, yeah, week and a half. And so you're basically what you're saying is is that staying uh, at my parents' house is not a vacation. You. This is going on the internet. So yep. I would never say that. <laughs> I was just going to see what you were saying. I was just going to see what you were going to say. Because I said two weeks and you were like, nope, just one. <laughs> no, I love you. The, no, for the audio, I'm smiling. <laughs> I love you. That's, that's right. Now, I'm excited about this uh, topic that we're getting to today because... Um, I think it's, you know, there's several verses that are several times in the Bible where it's mentioned that if we are not doing ministry to widows and orphans, we are not doing the ministry of the church. That is what the heart um, of Christianity should be about, about caring for those who can't care for themselves. And so today we have two, two of the three, I think we only have three foster families in the church. Do we have any others? I don't know of any others, just... You two and, and Bonnie? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. My mom. <laughs> yeah. Maybe forgot her own mom. Yeah, they're um, looking at us like, three. I mean, are they uh, some of these kids yeah, then? <laughs> we, should have, uh, we should have included Miss Bonnie, but I, I kind of wanted to, I, I feel like Bonnie's, you know, passing the baton to the younger generation. Um, it has she, been passed. It has been passed. <laughs> and, and you two are heading up an exciting new venture that the church is kind of partnering with you in, in the foster parent uh, association that you've just started for Henderson County, partnering in that they are allowing them a place to meet and um, host events and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm excited to talk to them today about their story and, and how that came to be. So Yeah, so on the show today, we've got Amanda Taylor and Mandy Taylor, no relation. Uh, by blood. No, no relation by blood. No, no relation by blood, but relation uh, in Christ and sisterhood. Uh, and it's, you know, I was very close to calling you Amanda Foley. And so I'm, I'm glad I nailed it on the first one. So, uh, for people who don't know who you are, we, we start every podcast with kind of like a get to know you type thing. Just, uh, tell us who you are, uh, and what brought you to Sandridge Baptist Church. Either one of you can go first. This is Amanda. And what brought me here was Chuck and Debbie Foley <laughs> when I was, Still, before I was born, <laughs> I was here, and 
I grew up at this church, and then I did move away for some times, but I'm back now. So I've been here a long time. A long time. I've not been here a long time. No, I've been here a long time, but not that long. So this is Mandy Taylor. Um, I belong to Rick and Bonnie Taylor. And um, <clears throat> I started coming to Sandridge when I was 13. Um, I have a younger brother. We grew up in foster care. And when I was 13, Bonnie, who is my first cousin, actually, um, kept me from going to another foster home by becoming a kinship foster parent. And um, so we had always grown, gone to church in the foster homes we'd lived in, but I personally did not have a lot of good experiences. So I could have cared less about coming to church, but my brother really loved coming to church. So he bugged and bugged and bugged and bugged. So um, Bonnie, who I call my mom now, so that's who I'll refer to her from here on out. Um, but my mom um, brought us to Sandridge because that's where she remembered growing up. She came with our Aunt Betty when she was a kid, and we never left. We, we're still here. I, like Amanda, moved away to Knoxville and to Memphis, um, but I came back. So here yeah. I am. It's like a magnet. It just pulls you back. It just pulls yeah. you back, just, yeah. Just, I mean... Here yeah. we are, Aaron and I. Aaron grew up in this church. I met her, started going to this church, joined this church, mm -hmm. went away to do ministry, and now we're back. And so, I mean, and that's not a bad thing. No, nope. not, not a bad thing at all. So, what I want to talk about, like we've already kind of you've mentioned, mm -hmm. is uh, we want to talk about this concept of foster parenting and uh, how like, there's a lot of ways we could go with this. I think, uh, and I want to hit several of the big ones. Number one, uh, I kind of wanted us to talk about is why, why, why would you do this? Uh, because, uh, and, and hear, hear my heart on this when I say this, like when I ask this question, I don't want it to sound disrespectful, but why would you open your home to someone else's kids who have been removed in terrible situations, who uh, come to you, who just, let's be honest, they don't know how you do things. They don't know how to act. Some of them are acting out. Some of them are in distress and you're, you're having to deal with that. And like I've watched y'all navigate appointments and medical visits and all kinds of other stuff. Why in the world <laughs> would you, would you take that on yourself? Uh, so I guess I'll start because Amanda probably does it in part because of me. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> um, I was that kid. I, I mean, I entered the foster care system when I was five years old. Um, I think I was in foster care for about a year, maybe. Went home for about six months, and then we returned back to the foster care system. And um, I stayed in the system until I aged out at 18. And I didn't always have the best experiences in foster homes. Um, I had some good experiences and then some not. Um, so I knew that I always wanted to be a foster parent. I wanted to be one of those good homes. Um, but what really sealed the deal for me because I was, I'm single. So I never, I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. I'm not going to be able to, I need to be married. I need to, you know, kind of have that to do. Um, but in 2000, 16, 
I had a family member who was going through a rough time and her child was going to be put into foster care um, if she didn't have anywhere safe for her to go. And so um, I just randomly said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I took her little bitty baby, eight days old, and um, I took care of her. I, I had custody of her. We did it without the foster care system. There was no DCS involvement other than removing the child. Um, and helping me get custody. And um, I walked with her through probably some of the hardest times of her life. Um, two years. And after that two years, she was able to get custody back of, of um, her child. And then, um, and, and they're doing great. They're still, they're a family married, have all mm -hmm. their kids. And, you know, um, but after that experience, I realized that, hey, I can do this. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, there is some grief involved, you know, when the kids leave, um, especially if you've had them for a long time. And probably that little bit of grief that I experienced is what pushed me into, I need to do this for other people because of the experience of not just giving that child a safe place, but um, also being a light and an encouragement to her mom and her dad. Um, and so in 2019, no. Yes, yes. The summer of 2019, I took the classes and became a foster parent, and here we are. Here we are. How many kids have you had so far? Twenty. Twenty. I've in, had twenty kids in two in years. Two years. Um, yeah, and and that doesn't count my family member. Right. Um, that's just my my DCS cases. Now, some of them have stayed a night. Right. Some of them have stayed a month, but I have had several long term cases. Um, the shortest being about five months maybe up to a year um but yeah we're amanda and i are very different when people ask us like how long do you keep the kids <laughs> I know. well yeah. let me tell you yeah, <laughs> so uh, my experience has been very different um and like mandy said the reason i probably did get into it or was interested is growing uh, we became friends when she started coming here at sand ridge and ended up being best friends and learning her story and journey kind of opened my heart to it and then my parents even did it for a little bit and I was so excited we were already out in college when they started doing it and I was so excited that they were doing that because I was just like man people need to do this people need homes right. and just knowing the places that you know like Mandy said she wanted to send some not so good homes and even my mom sometimes struggled when she did it, saying, I don't know if they're really, if I'm really making a difference. I said, Mom, you're giving them a safe place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they know at the end of the day that they're loved. And that's, I mean, to me, the heart of it is giving children a safe place where they know they're loved for the time, mm -hmm. however long that is. Yes, in my case, it means I'm most likely at least adopting three, possibly four kids within two and a half, three years. <laughs> um, we've only had one placement that was with us for three weeks and went to live with the grandmother. So, yes, our stories are very different. and um, But that doesn't make any different of the fact that I would love to have seen reunification happen and that, mm -hmm. that the, the heart of this, restoring families, yes. is what we want to see. Um, and, yes, am I realistic enough to know that that doesn't always happen yes but trying to keep those family ties is important yeah, yeah. so 
like people see you guys come to church and they see you bringing in the, the kid. They see you bringing in all the stuff because like in your case, it's like <laughs> diaper bags and uh, backpacks and all kinds of other stuff. And then they see like your posts on social media where they like, you know, I know that you're not allowed to post your kids a lot of times, but they see like that, you know, they I know there's several people who've heard your heart behind it already. Yeah. Uh, and so this may have just been a refresher for them. But what I think that a lot of people don't see is they see you for that hour or that two hours here at church, and they don't see the the times where it's low. Yeah. They don't see the times where it's hard and you're struggling. And so I thought it would be good to, to kind of talk about that and go there for just a minute. Um because most of what we're going to talk about is upbeat and positive. But, you know, I think it's easy to talk about the good parts of this. Like, oh, yeah, we're restoring families. We're giving kids a home. There's a safe place. And it might always look like it's supposed to, but it's there's the, that's the heart behind it. That's the, that, I mean, that is, as you said, taking care of orphans and widows and their need. That's a good thing. But when it comes down to the struggles, what are, what are some of the harder things about foster parenting? I remember when... Marty and I, most of you don't know this, took foster parent classes before we had kids and had fully planned to do that. Um, but then about the time that our home was going to be final inspection and everything, I became pregnant with Isaac. And I was like, I don't know that I can have foster kids and a newborn in the same, like, month. <laughs> and Amanda's so, like, yes, you can. Yeah, I know. It can happen. I, I mean, it can yeah, happen. I know it can, it can happen, happen and you could do it. I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure we Even could Even if have. only for I'm six sure we weeks. Could have. But, uh, I wasn't anyway. convinced that we could. <laughs> yeah. So honest. we didn't. But I remember in those classes, they'd be like, you know, don't be surprised if they pick up your TV and throw it down the stairs or something <laughs> like that. So thankfully, neither of y'all have had anything quite that serious you've had a couple of runaways <laughs> but uh you know not total destruction of property yeah, no um so i think my life verse is joshua 1 9 it says be strong and of courage not frightened or dismayed um for the lord your god is with you wherever you go and the it's found before Joshua, that verse almost exactly in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. um, and it's referred to even after Joshua. But my courage is my theme for foster care um, because it takes courage to be in this space in life. It takes courage for the foster parent, for the caseworkers. For uh, the support people, it takes courage for the birth families and for their support people. Um, Everything about child abuse and neglect, because when we talk about foster care, we like to skip over that the reason we have foster care is because of um, trauma, trauma, (laughs) child abuse and neglect, um, and... um, I'm, that I'm saying in several arms. forms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but, I mean, that comes in yeah. several forms, too. The, the child right. abuse. Right. I know I've had babies before, and, and I've people have said, oh, she'll, she or he will never know. They'll never know what you've taken them from. And I'm like, I love you, but you are so wrong. Mm-hmm. Even a baby that you bring home from the hospital experiences trauma from being taken from the only person they've ever known. 
Mm-hmm. That baby was in a womb for nine months, mm-hmm. and that heartbeat was the only sound that they knew. And then, you know, they come to my home or they come to a foster home. That's traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so um, courage is, and I have a, one of my tattoos is the child abuse prevention pinwheel with the word courage in the stem because it just reminds me that, um, you know, even in the hardest days that it takes courage to wake up and love these kids and love their families and um, want the best for them. And on the hardest days, it takes courage to say that I can get up and do it again tomorrow. Um, Yeah. Well, can I I say something right here before you say something, Amanda? I think you said something that's, that's super important, is that I think that a lot of people have the mindset that Foster care is about loving the kids. Mm-hmm. But you said something about loving the families. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the whole point of foster care is reunification. Mm-hmm. And we hear all the time. If I don't hear it every day, I think I'm blocking it out. Um, I couldn't do it. I don't know how you don't get too attached. And the truth is, is that I do get too attached, but I don't just get attached to the kids. I get attached to their moms and their grandparents, mm-hmm. and their aunts, and uncles, and dads, and, you know, um, at the end of the day, a child wants to be with their birth family, and even in adoption, there is trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can speak as a kid from the system, because I am a kid from the system, um, but my birth family, now my birth father, I don't I never really knew him, so I don't have a lot of hope or right. wonder about what that was like because I don't know what I'm missing there. I have a dad, and I found him when I was 18, 19 years old, and he's my dad. That's all I need. Now, my birth mother, I did have a relationship with that was somewhat reconciled um, in the last few years before she, she passed in 2019. And, you know, there were a lot of times that I struggled with loyalty and Mm -hmm. you know what do I owe her I owe her nothing I didn't owe her anything but there was still when she passed I told my mom that I mean because I did I it was hard Mm -hmm. but I grieved for what I never had Mm -hmm. because she wasn't capable of taking care of me and giving me what I needed but so I keep that in the forefront whenever I am um, taking care of these kids who don't know how to express any of that. Because I'm 37 years old, and at 34, I didn't know how to express those types of feelings. How in the world can we expect a two-year-old to be able to express that? Um, so it takes the knowing that it's about more than just the kids. It's about their families, too, because we want to break cycles, and the best way to do that is to reach out to the whole family unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we think about struggles with foster parenting, where what are some of the ones that come to mind for you? I think a lot of it's just the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, you live in the unknown. Like, you don't know when what's going to happen at the next court date or when things are going to progress or they're not or... You know, every case is so different. Any judge can make any decision he wants, so therefore there's no set 
standard for a case. Mm-hmm. So you're just living in the unknown of what's going to happen to these children in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I feel like that's the hard that and just the like you're talking about appointments like. Yeah. I mean, we have meetings, and we have to go to more doctors. Like, I, I've had to take a one-year-old to the dentist. Most of you don't take your one-year-old to the dentist. Right. Especially if they don't have teeth. <laughs> right. Especially, but... they, or even if they do have a few teeth. You don't take them yet. Yeah. We, there's just all these extra, like, you can't skip any kind of appointment that mm-hmm. some parents might choose. Mm, well, they're okay. They don't really need that. Well, we can't make that decision. We have to do, you know, we have to follow so many rules. Right. And then the paperwork yeah. with that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's not just doctor, that you have to do it. Right. There's paperwork. There's forms. There's You're sometimes working. Sometimes everyone else's schedule is taking in, taken into account, into account, and you are just told when the appointment or the meeting is. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like as a foster parent, we don't have schedules <laughs> yeah. or, or jobs or things right. going on outside. And so, yeah, the unknown is... Yeah, because I'd be I used to be at work and at my job what I was doing I didn't really have the luxury to step away but thankfully I had a boss that would work with me but it's like okay there's this meeting I need to get on the phone and <laughs> listen in because I want to know what's going on in their right. um, in their case and things so I think that and then sometimes just the you live in the like fear of judgment because you're you don't always raise a child from birth and so therefore the kids behaviors aren't always what society expects and then you're like are these people (laughs) looking at me like why don't you take it you know why don't you or the way you handle your discipline is so different than you would a child that you had from birth and so therefore it's a whole new way of parenting in a sense Mm -hmm. yeah so one of the things i wanted to get to as we had this conversation is uh there was a time and it's been within the last six months that uh, Mandy, you had four kids, and <laughs> yes. they were all, all under the age of three. All of them were under the age of three, and I would remember you coming through church on Sunday morning, like <laughs> leaving, and you've got the the car carriers, and you've got the kids, and you've got like you had an entourage like yeah. of people that helping you get to the car, yeah. and I remember we we had a conversation. Uh, after a couple of those kids were were went back home or or went to you know came out of your your home mm-hmm. and one of the things that she said was I wish that I, I know that people want to help but what we don't need is people who come up and say just let me know let me know what I can do for you and I'll be glad to do it and I think the what you said in that moment was so telling I, I remember you saying something like, Sometimes I don't even know what I need. Yeah. And so as we as Sandridge Baptist Church, you know, like Aaron had already mentioned, we're doing the Foster Parent Association, like giving you all a place to meet, giving you a place to do some events and things like that, which we're more than happy to do. But we as a church, I believe, should rally around parents who are and people who are willing to open their homes and do this. And so without giving that old, tired, cliche answer of, well, what can I do for you? Just let me know, and I'll be glad. You know, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Just holler, and I'll be there. What can we, what can Sandridge Baptist Church, just as a church, but also uh, like as a church body, but also as individuals, just both of y'all, what can we do to help foster parents? Yeah, so that's even amplified more 
when you know like the personalities of some people. I'm a very independent person. Um, growing up, I had to take care of myself. I had to look out for myself. So I never asked people for help. Um, and that stayed with me into adulthood. So if you tell me, um, hey, I would love to help you. Just let me know what you need. I'm never going to come to you ever. And I will tell you that uh, because I feel like if I ask for help, then somebody's going to say, well, if you can't do that, then you don't need to be fostering, right? Um, so specifics are so important. I have a couple of really great examples. Um, at Vacation Bible School this year, that was during the time that I had all four of my sweet kiddos that were three and under. Um, and I was having a really rough time with that. And, you know, I said I'm single and um, I have a great support system, but we all, they're all doing stuff too. And, you know, but um, I was talking to the ladies who were doing the kitchen help in um, vacation Bible school and they didn't even ask me. They just got food together. They gave me, they made spaghetti, like they were not doing spaghetti for vacation Bible school. They made a batch of spaghetti to send home with me because most all kids love spaghetti. They didn't right. even ask me. They yeah. just whipped it together and sent it home with me that day. And then um, they got me uh, some other stuff from the food pantry and things like that. But they didn't ask me. They just did it. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people who have offered to uh, keep the kids for me before. Um and they'll say, just let me know when. Again, I'm not going to tell you. So I think specifically saying, hey, I've got some free time, a couple of hours um, on this day. Would it be helpful for me to keep your kids so you can go to the grocery store? Have you? Uh, because if you've ever tried to go to the grocery store with even two toddlers, much less <laughs> <Yeah>. four. Woo! Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Another specific Thing that people have done for me, and this is more community, not just church, but last year um, around Christmas, I got a placement of a couple of kids who were COVID positive, and that meant I couldn't get out. It meant I missed Christmas with my family, um, which was I was very bummed about because I'm a big family person, um, but these kids needed a home, and they even had to look outside of the region they were from, so I took them, and Again, I had people from the community who did not ask me. They went and bought groceries. They went and bought Christmas presents for these kids because they knew I wouldn't be able to go get them. Um, they bought me Christmas presents, which Aww. obviously I did not ask for. But it was just things like that that they didn't ask. They just mm -hmm. provided. And I think it's so important that I think that so many people want to help. They don't know how to help. Um and the way to do that really is just be specific in what you're or offering, um, whatever it might be. Right. Childcare, dinner, lunch, a little gift card for the foster parent, um, anything like that is so helpful and so appreciated. I don't know, Amanda, what do you have to add? I'm just going to say I can't think of anything specific right now because you kind of touched on a lot of them. But as we start this association up, there will be a lot of ways that we will um, try to get the churches, and not just our church, but churches as a whole in our community involved. 
as simple as like we're going to be doing a Christmas party coming up and it's actually going to be here at Sand Ridge on December 4th. We're going to need people to help us pull that off. Um, and then within that, we're going to have meetings that we can, and you as a community member can be a part of yeah. and help give ideas of how to support. But also within that, we will find other ways that can be helpful in supporting that. I, you know, I've thought of like churches. It'd be nice they could do a different churches in our community took a turn. You'd only have to do it once a year. Like have a night where all foster parents can bring their kids and they can yeah. go do something. And you're take, you know, the church provides childcare that night. Like you know, a parents' night out, out for, for foster, foster families. families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those kind of things because it is hard to find people to watch your children. Sometimes, I mean, my cases are different. But in some cases, it's hard to find people to, because they have so many different needs. And right. It's, and if, but if you bring them in an environment like this, they usually will do all right for those few hours. For those, yeah. And when you have more than one person mm-hmm. helping, because like a lot of the smaller kids, I keep a lot of small kids. I get that's kind of my niche, I guess you would say. Um, but it's hard. You, it, you wouldn't think it would be hard for me to get someone to keep a, a two-year-old and a baby. But when the two-year-old has extreme behaviors where they'll throw a fit over every little thing, um, they can't communicate because they don't know if they've not been talked to or they don't know how to talk, um, it makes it harder for people to jump into that because they they also don't know the needs of this mm-hmm. child. They don't know how to respond or react. And it can be more wearing on the person. But like Amanda said, if you have like a parent's night out where you have several people helping mm-hmm. and um, just giving those foster parents a little bit of a break is such a needed thing, mm-hmm. I think, in our in our community yeah. <clears throat> yeah. of foster parents. Well, I've, I've loved having you guys here and having this conversation. I think it's a super timely, super necessary. I don't think that people... Well, as we're going into this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, when people are often looking for ways to give back, this is a great way to, to start thinking about Because I know in the, uh, the Foster Parent Association, y'all are looking for some donations of, of clothes. Because when a kid comes into care, a lot of times all they have is the clothes on their back. Sure. Um, so underwear, socks, those yeah. things that those, are hard to find and are not cheap. I mean, yeah. And typically, you know, I mean, I would like to say that we do get help from the state. For right. That, but typically it, there's a lag in what we get. Right. Um, so it might take a couple of weeks to get that started, but kids need to be clothed when they come in. Right. And we don't just want to be like, oh, hey, welcome to my home. Here's you a bunch of used things. Right. That. And it's not that you can't get them some use, yeah. but you do we want, want them to have, have We want them to feel important and, yeah. and not just like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I guess I'm Here's the leftovers. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Because oftentimes they, they might feel like that already. They're mm-hmm. already experiencing such a trauma. Their world's being turned upside down. So having something new to give them is helpful. Well, and I know in some of your respite cases, too, where you've just taken them for a night or two, they're still coming with the clothes on their back. So and you might get a little bit of reimbursement, but you're spending 
more than that yes. to give them two yeah. or three days worth of clothes and right. underwear and socks and absolutely toothbrushes and, and deodorant and yeah and so and I know another thing uh, we've kind of touched a little bit on the foster family association is it okay sure just kind of yeah. go into that so there used to be a foster family association in Henderson County several several years ago and it kind of fell by the wayside and Amanda and I have been, since we started fostering, we've been wanting to bring that back up. And so we've finally gotten things together after, um, while we've been going through this pandemic, that kind of shot us back a little bit. But we are able, we were able to kind of get it started this month and have our first meeting. We have about 13 foster families in Henderson County. Um, and just to give you a little bit of an idea of how much we need foster parents, there are 45 kids in Henderson County right now that are in foster care. We have 13 foster families, and most of our kids that we have in our homes are not from Henderson County. So if you think about the trauma of being removed from your home and having to go live with people that you don't know, then you add on to that that now you're going to have to change schools, you're going to have to leave your churches, you're going to have to leave everything that you know, all your surroundings familiar, and go live in another county and start everything over. That is a direct result of, of not having enough foster homes in, in our county. Um, but the Foster Family Association is intended to support foster families and the children in their homes, as well as eventually and indirectly birth families of the, the children. Um, and so, there will be more information in um, the coming months about how you can attend meetings, how you can be a part of that. But what our pressing need is right now is that we are planning a Christmas party for foster families and their children here at Sand Ridge. Um, and it's going to be on December 4th. And we would love some help with serving with helping us tend to kids but also even with providing gifts for the children um, this is right now all coming out of our pockets because we don't have funds starting out but this is something that we think is super important I know growing up as a kid in foster care it was always helpful for me to be able to go to the Christmas parties and the birthday parties to see that I wasn't the only kid going through this and that is really my biggest heart for hosting these things it's not necessarily to give gifts and to do all of that but it is a chance to let these children know that we love them we care about them and um that they are not alone um i don't know do you want to add anything about the foster family association or the christmas party <laughs> i think you covered it okay awesome uh, definitely something that we want to promote and, and help support with you guys. I think that's, that is so good. Uh, as we close out the show, we're going to ask you guys a question that we ask everybody. If you have listened to our, uh, to our podcast and that is how can we pray for you? Uh, and I mean, very specifically, like not as how do we pray for foster parents, but how do we pray for you? Um, how can we pray for the foster parent association be specific. What are some ways our listeners can be in prayer for you guys and for what you're doing? Um, for me, you can be in prayer. Um, many of you know we have the adoption coming up of Madison. And as joyous as it is, we've kind of touched on it. It's heartbreaking <laughs> because 
it is meaning she won't know her birth family. Um, and there may be an option where she gets to a little bit, but I really don't know. And there is that loss. And she's going to experience, she may not be experiencing that loss now, but she will as she gets older. And so, and then even with our other children, as that happens, as we look forward to it, just the, that permanency can happen soon. <laughs> They've been, we've been in limbo a long time and, so, just pray for permanency. Okay. What about you, Mandy? Yeah. So, right now, um, I am kidless. I have no kids in my home. Um, they went home this week, and I am trying to take a respite myself. <laughs> so, um, I think just praying for renewal. And um, physically, I'm dealing with an ankle injury that won't heal um, but also mentally and spiritually, um, so that when the next children come, that I'm ready in all of those areas to be able to provide them the best of me. Um, everyone keeps telling me I can't give them the best if I'm not the best myself. And so I have to stay strong because it is really hard when they're texting and they're calling and they're saying, hey, we have these kids that need a home. But I have to, to remember that I've got to take care of me too. So just praying for, for that. Pray for balance. Balance is a really great way to put that. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have heard that. We encourage you to be praying for Amanda, for C, for Mandy, uh, and all the kids, for Bonnie and Rick, and and others. Right? It's here's the thing. The reality is, like you said, they're out there. Yeah. Someone's yeah. got to take care of them. Yeah. Why not? Why and, not you guys? And you know, maybe while you've been listening to you, to this, you've been thinking like Mandy said, you can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to them about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm they, Mandy Taylor on Facebook. I'm always advocating. I'm always happy to to send you the information that you need to figure out if fostering is right for you. And if not, how can you? How can we continue this conversation about how you might be able to support us foster parents? and support the children who are in foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we do have an email address. We will eventually have a Facebook page for the Foster Family Association, but hctnfosters at gmail.com. You can email me, and I'm happy to get you any information. When when this episode is published, we'll put that email in there too so that people can see that on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else we share it awesome. uh, in the show notes it'll be there for people who it comes up on their podcast players or whatever else guys we want to thank you for hanging with us today uh, on one of I think this has been one of my favorite episodes <laughs> that we've done uh, and uh, we want to remind you wherever you're listening to us whether it's YouTube or uh, on Facebook right on our, our Sandridge Baptist Church page you can do that now or your podcast app of choice. There's a place there to share it, to rate it. If you would do that, it helps people find the show if you enjoy it. Uh, And if you would like to be on the show, uh, let us know. We would love to feature you, your family, your story. Uh, It's not always going to be about ministries. We want to just tell people's stories. Uh, And so if you'd like to be on the show, we would love to have you. Uh, And so as we close out, uh, thank you guys for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, And remember that no matter what, we are better together.